Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where I dive deep into Arbo's most Canadian work five years on. And uh, I'm I'm Ruben Morehouse, and uh, yeah, so so Blake has gathered his friends to convince him why he shouldn't have the hyena as his implement, which is something that I've been saying for ages um, by myself, as I always do this podcast. And yeah, and so it's it's fun. It's like the cabals around, and they're you know just just kind of hanging out uh man i feel like i'm off this episode for some reason ruben ruben it's me i'm back blake who <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well we didn't plan this bit out very well but <laughs> we decided to pull yeah pull a blake and just improv it yeah we tried to wing it um um that's a joke nice. everyone yeah yeah you're welcome I like it. uh so <laughs> Uh, let's jump behind the scenes a little bit. We're going to get a, a little bit of a deep impact behind the scenes here for you guys. Uh, so, you know, we, we do our episode scripts and every, you know, every episode I make a new script, which has, which is a Google doc. And up, since I need to have something in it so I can tell that it's actually there and not just like a, a blank doc, I've, I've copied and pasted the exact same sentence into every doc, which is, in this chapter, Blake dies. And I've just been waiting for this very episode for this stupid joke to finally pay off. And it finally has, and I'm so happy. Yeah, because, I mean, this is exactly... Like, just writing that in every doc is exactly the kind of stupid joke I would expect you to just make, like, anyway. So I never thought anything of it. And then... I loaded up the script to well to make the script for Seven Eleven and saw this was still at the top and I was like oh bloody hell he's <laughs> he's been doing this on purpose um yeah yeah it was all pre planned uh, so so yeah obviously we'll talk about that a bit later but let's let's get through the uh, the rest of the chapter first this is yeah. a hard chapter to talk about because you know obviously stuff happens before the end um, yeah but it's really hard not to jump ahead and just <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. Um, so yeah as I said Blake has has kind of gathered everybody to basically be his sense check um just shitting yeah. on the idea of having the hyena as his familiar for him uh, i guess yeah yeah more or less um i mean it, there's sort of a preamble blake has just in his head before really getting this going and he's just sort of talking to himself i guess about the this war he has within himself because he's not he's not really like an introvert or he doesn't always mm. you know want to be introverted uh he wants to be around people he's a very social person but like also his his past makes that really difficult because he also hates being around people now so he's kind of like there's almost this like nature versus nurture war going on within him uh, that he sort of brings up here and it just made me realize that that's true for other parts of his life as well uh like you know his his new career uh is sort of his nature <laughs> and his nurture uh fighting I, I i really like it he doesn't even get paid to be a practitioner it's the worst career choice <laughs> but yeah you're right um yeah this is a theme that kind of represents itself throughout blake a lot i mean he's kind of a conflicted person in a lot of ways right yeah um, yeah exactly i <laughs> i like that this is something that blake usually does is he's very open to soliciting advice from people and soliciting feedback but then he never takes it um <laughs> so he's gathered the cabal here to basically explain to him why he shouldn't have the hyena and luckily this time he seems to actually accept their feedback which rarely happens honestly or maybe well, that's just because it's it's always rose i was about to say this is alexis's feedback and, and uh, ties to an extent yeah. uh so you could you could read that uh aspect into it uh for sure yeah. Um, so, I, and I don't know if this is just me, like, um, I, I was getting like Ty in this whole conversation was giving me big, like sibling vibes. And then Alexis 
was giving off like mum vibes to me. <laughs> I, this is probably saying more about my family uh, than than the story, I guess. But like uh, th- this whole dynamic where Ty kept making sarcastic comments um and then actually gave like the real critique and alexis was just sort of being encouraging him and trying to get him to sort of figure it out for himself and asking what him what what he thinks like it was just i don't know it, <laughs> they really supportive. felt yeah they felt like a bit of a family unit here um like yeah you, know, you could really see that close connection uh all of them share i mean tiffany doesn't really say much of anything um she's just sort of there i guess mm. Um, yeah, they, they do have this, mm. and we kind of talked about this last chapter when we were getting, getting to explore the Cabal a bit more, but they, they do have this actual kind of sense of closeness that really sells scenes like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, basically, Blake, if you want to know why the hyena is a bad idea, we talked about it four chapters ago, so just kind of enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I get that you're not going to listen to Rose, but you should listen to us, Blake. I mean, we, we made a very good case, and we're only five years late. Do we shit on Blake more than Rose or less, do you think, on the whole earlier? <laughs> um, well, is that countered by the fact that we also kind of shit on Rose as well? Yeah, it balances out. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Blake's cabal make a few points as to why he shouldn't pick, pick the hyena, some of which we made you know, a few chapters ago, and he seems to come around. Um, and it's basically at the point that he agrees with them that Rose jumps in being like, uh, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, I love the way she's introduced to to the conversation. Uh, Alexis asks Blake, do, do you want to compromise? And Rose just immediately answers yes before Blake can. And it's sort of like, it's been a very, as I said, like it was a very supportive close tight-knit conversation till now it was at like the second i read yes rose said before i could answer i was like oh here we go like yeah this this yeah, was it's... all very very <laughs> like positive until now in blake's defense uh he kind of is very amicable towards rose about all this stuff um alexis is kind of like uh that seems like a dick move and blake's like no she's right she's right let's let's hear her out um he's very yeah. he's very nice to her about it i mean that said the language surrounding all the descriptions of Rose throughout this whole section, it's always, you know, Rose butted in or Rose retorted <laughs> or Rose shot a glare. Like, it, and this is like Blake's internal narration. So there's very much, he, he does say things that seem fair, but then also like, it's definitely, I, I would not say these two are on the same page based on the language that he surrounds every description of what she does uh, in his head. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think they always are kind of, even when they're agreeing, they're, uh, it feels like they're kind of regretfully agreeing with each other, <laughs> which is fun. Um, yeah, so so basically Rose is, is keen on the idea of the hyena as the, I mean, not necessarily the hyena, but she really thinks Blake should get an implement and she's kind of on board with just picking this one because you need to get one of them. I almost just think, like, basically one of the big pros that's thrown around about the hyena is that it would probably be pretty powerful. And yeah, so I think Rose is just on team, get Blake some power so I can get out of the mirror. Uh, yeah. Because that is what she's seeing as her main way to get out of the mirror. It turns out there's other ways. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But... We'll see later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I definitely just got the impression she just wants Blake to pick a powerful implement sooner rather than later because she's yep. sick of being in the mirrors which is a very understandable uh viewpoint really yes um, it is i still it kind of does feel like she's uh, I, I it kind of reminds me of of back in the when uh when blake first went into the police station i think it was somewhere around that arc um there was this scene where they were going in 
and and rose was like let's slow roll this let's you know take it carefully and blake was like no no let's do it we'll figure it out and this feels like they've kind of switched positions on that when blake's like Mm. let's take our time and rose is like no fuck it let's get the power it'll be fine um which kind of makes me feel like they they just like being on opposite (laughs) sides uh yeah they really are two sides of the same coin these two um I mean, there's, um, there's just one other bit I, I quickly wanted to call out is there's a little bit where Blake says we're going to do our best to avoid dying, mm. um, which I mean I guess it's a moot point now, but I I I reckon you could call him out for being forsworn on that because <laughs> we'll, we'll get it we'll, we'll get into it, but uh-huh. this this whole situation was pretty avoidable if he just not. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like, we'll do our best to avoid dying, except we have to fight the dangerous <laughs> yeah, monster. Like, exactly. Those two statements go next to each other. Um. So Rose uh, says something here that I, I want to call out. Uh, where Rose spoke quiet. It'd be nice if we weren't waiting for all hell to break loose before making the tough calls on this sort of thing. Um. Basically saying that hmm. Blake often lets himself get forced into making rash decisions because he doesn't make those decisions until he absolutely has to. And then because he has to make those decisions at the last possible second, he has to rush through them and, and he, he doesn't have time to actually, you know, give Rose her chance to, to, to talk it out or stuff like that. Um, fair point, honestly. This is... this is <laughs> Rose scores a point here in my book. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, Evan, Evan is yep. such an obvious example of that. Although that being said, I, I do remember arcs and arcs ago, I was sort of always complaining about how Rose always, again, wants to sit back and plan all these things out and wait. She wanted to wait yeah. too long to go in and Blake, I, like there are a few occasions where Blake was sort of like, oh no, we, we have to go and do this. So again, like I think they're criticizing flaws that they share uh, in, <laughs> yeah. in each other, um, these two. Yeah, I think it is kind of worth keeping in mind though that this whole story we're seeing basically... Blake's actions play out, right? Like, Rose is kind of backseat driving, but never to the point where she actually really decides what's happening. Um, And I think if we saw this entire story again from Rose's perspective, or if if Rose was in the driver's seat and Blake was in the backseat, I suspect Rose would make different decisions that would probably pan out pretty well as well. Yeah, I I agree. They're they're very similar, but they're not the same. Um, I... I also love this bit where Rose catches Blake in a bit of a verbal trap by he he sort of says he wants to do things more like he did with the hyena <laughs> while he's trying to explain why he doesn't want to do things yeah. like he did with the hyena. Uh, and instead of like actually calling him out on it, she just sort of glares at him and like in his internal narration, he's like, she knows <laughs> that I know like what I've just said. It's, it, gives it was me so very, good. Like, like, are you fucking kidding? She me look vibes. <laughs> yeah exactly and it's just because like rose gets called out a couple of times this chapter for being conquest yeah. uh now that the sisters dropped that knowledge bombers and to me this was the bit that really jumped out <laughs> to me is conquesty like just just the the like n- n- so confident she doesn't even need to call him out on it she just she just stares at him it's yeah. just like i know yeah. that you conquest know. tinged rose really has no time for bullshit which i'm very on board with <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, the shamanism stuff they talk about here is really cool. I mean, it reminded me of a little bit of some of the discussion mm. question answers we got when we're talking about uh, like creating your own type yep. of uh, practicing. And like, yeah, I don't know. I just love this. Just a neat little bit of world yep. building yep. I, I wanted to Fair call enough. out. Um, so yeah, the the cabal head off to the factory. Uh, basically, we get a bit of a who's here 
uh summary where where there's there's all kinds of people here basically here to help out destroying with uh Ur or urkel um yeah and I, I, again i want to call out blake's little preamble to himself before mm. he actually engages with everyone because he does he does the sort of same thing again and he talks about how he sort of feels like a like a caveman or you know like a stone age person uh as part of a tribe going up against like a big beast i think he uses the word lion uh specifically but uh it it really adds to the primal sense of this fight to me like that you know they are going against you know literally a demon of the first choir it's like yeah. the opposite of creation it's there is no more primal (laughs) fight than fighting against this sort of demon and as a metaphor i think a bunch of tribesmen going up against a a lion sort of it's just definitely puts you in the right mindset of like that that kind of banding together community scrappy fight for their lives kind of deal yes and also like a bit of vulnerability you know like a a lion can kill someone if they're caught alone and well yeah and specifically can make someone in a group be caught alone uh as we'll see later um i i don't know if i'm willing to commit to this being a point yet but uh this is the most prepared we've ever seen them right like this is the most prepared we've ever seen blake for a fight They've got like they've got they've hired yeah. help from all the locals. They've got all kinds of tools and gadgets and stuff. Um, Blake almost never prepares for stuff, and he's never done it to this degree. <laughs> but obviously, this fails. Like Blake's Blake's flying by the seat of his pants improv <laughs> usually succeeds for him, where this high level of preparation actually fails. So I'm I'm kind of torn on whether this is intentionally pointing out that Blake just should stick in his lane (laughs) or if it's just a coincidence but I like it either way yeah I think we did actually have a conversation about an arc ago where Blake Blake thought to himself that you know uh, he was always out of his element in the improv and and we sort of challenged that assumption Mm. he made about himself uh and this would sort of align with that I I agree I I don't feel confident in saying this is a message Wildbow was trying to push through but it could be like i you know i guess we'll we'll see as the story keeps going it, it feels it's a neat coincidence even if it wasn't sort of intentional i think like it it yeah it works symbolically um i also the the graffiti surrounding the the building just it just sort of hit me the other day like that could have mm. been the knights right like pre pre their their group shrinking i'm just gonna assume it was the knights because i'd like to think that i'd like to think they achieved something (laughs) yeah it makes sense i mean thematically it kind of fits that they would have if they had a much bigger group and were more knowledgeable would have scoped it out would have set up some of these protections and then when they you know when tragedy struck they just kind of forgot about it (laughs) um yeah yeah exactly like whoever did it may have uh, not made it out um so yeah i don't know there's probably not much evidence either way because there yeah. can't be uh so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna sort of head cannon it as the knights because that makes me feel a little bit better about what happened to them that they did achieve some yeah. success yeah um we get a weird moment here between maggie and blake that has some uncomfortable sexual tension i mean right? there's something <laughs> i don't even know yeah, what to call it's, it um, it's a moment all we can call it is a yes. moment yeah um yeah it's you're right i mean there's been a couple of moments now where I guess I would say Maggie is probably flirting with Blake <laughs> or like uh, maybe maybe not even flirting just sort of putting herself out there yeah. I guess just sort of saying hey uh, like well, yeah just just letting it letting it be known that she could maybe be interested but she sort of ex- yeah, explicitly she, what does she here. say I'm finding the quote she says like I like you Blake well not like you like you although you know I could 
<laughs> yeah, I think she basically says, I'm down if you're down. Um, oh, yeah, she says, though, I wouldn't mind if you didn't. And then kind of cuts her off and Blake's just kind of confused. <laughs> uh, yeah, I imagine he looks somewhat like Tiffany did when Blake first asked yeah. her to coffee. Um, that, that deer in the headlights. <laughs> or, um, um, yeah, this is, it's a strange moment, but it does feel kind of human to me, right? Like, Elliot, I know you're still on your yeah. your Ma- Maggie equals M equals P <laughs> kind of theory, but um, <laughs> I don't know. This This feels like human to me in a way that I don't think it would feel if M was Yeah. P. Um, I mean, I guess I, I did sort of think maybe there were real bits of Maggie that Patrick was using mm. to, because he, he does get to walk around saying that he is Maggie, so I don't know. Otherwise, I mean, I don't think there's been much discussion on fairy, uh, you know, romantic, romantics mm. and, and relationships and all that. Maybe maybe this was just all Patrick. Um, probably not, but <laughs> could it be. could be. Um, yeah, so yeah, so as we said before, we're kind of rounding up everybody that's here to help. We have the knights who have brought some, you know, some lights and some trucks and stuff. Uh, the Sisters of the Torch are here to lend some fire and dolls. Uh, and even the shepherd kind of sent some ghosts to help out, which is weird, right? I mean, you know, obviously it's helpful that everyone's kind of banding together, but this ghosts thing is confusing to me because the shepherd, I don't think, wants Blake to succeed. Maybe he does, but... He really just wants Blake to die, right? Like, who knows? Yeah, it, it caught me a bit off guard. I was like, oh, no, that's unexpected. Uh, especially when they did obey him and, and seemed to yep. be useful as, as he went in. I was kind of expecting them to, to fall short. Especially there's one bit where Blake is like, oh, I can't trust a flare. Um, I'd better use a ghost to light a fire there. And I was thinking, I don't know if ghosts <laughs> are a, a better, more reliable power source yeah. than flares, Blake. Uh, but it works out. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really... I don't know exactly what was happening here. Um, I, I guess maybe mm. we'll see. Um, also, in your list of people who are around, you you forgot to mention that Isadora's yes, chilling true. off to the side with a big tub yep. of popcorn, um, <laughs> just watching the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because, like in retrospect, that's such a giant red flag. Um, but it's really well disguised because she's just hidden amongst the descriptions yep. of everyone else yep. who's around. And then Blake's like, oh, I'd better go talk to her. And then sort of by the time he doesn't, I'd forgotten because yep. it was so tense as he's as he's going in. So then on the second row, I'm like, oh, sh- that's it's such yeah, a red flag. She's uh, here. Just it's really well hidden. Go down. Yeah, it's 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 really well written. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's grim. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Evan and Blake head inside. Everybody kind of gets into position. The plan is for everybody to mostly be supporting from outside. Uh, the cabal is throwing in, you know, like gasoline cans through the window for refuels for Blake. And he's in there kind of lighting shit up, uh, setting a wall of fire. And it seems to be going well to start with. Um, it's intense, but it seems to be, you know, it, it kind of feels like it felt last time Blake was in here, where it's like, you know, you're on edge, but it's for the most part, going to be fine. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. Like, it, everything's sort of going well, but it, it's such a high-intensity passage, um, I guess. I, I think there's, like, a large gap in my live read comments during this section because I was just, like, my eyes yep. were glued to yep. the page. I, 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 yeah, I couldn't look away. It was, yeah, it was great to read. Like, I, I felt very yeah. tense uh, um, reading it. So, Blake notices that uh is surrounding him kind of getting around the fires and and he starts kind of spider webbing out blocking off exits um blake throws evan for a window before it gets blocked and blake kind of turns around and sees that through all the smoke from all the fire they're making this smoke is 
able to be kind of inhabited by Ur as it's opaque enough to not be in the light. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I love this this moment where Ur sets off the fi- like yeah. fires to make yeah. them bigger is just this real, oh, shit <laughs> moment. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, the, the plan gets completely inverted. And then later we sort of get the reveal as to a big part of the reason Ur presumably did this is because fire makes smoke, and that's great because that smoke is dark, so um, Ur just sort of gets to fill up way more space. Yeah. Um, and uh, the and smoke it's... kind of is able to surround Blake in a way that by himself with the other fires and lights isn't able yeah. to um and it's such a fantastic like it, this hadn't even occurred to me and then as soon as the word smoke came up i was like oh fuck yeah. like that's oh I, and and you know it clearly hadn't sort of occurred to blake as well um and i love this whole concept as well like it, again if fire is creation you know one of the side effects of fire is smoke and i think that's a great analogy for things like mm. uh, uh so I, I love this whole reveal, I think, like, symbolically and just as an oh shit moment, it works really yeah. well. Um, so Blake realises that he's surrounded, but, you know, it's not too big of a deal because there's a bunch of people outside and they will help him out, luckily, until uh starts to eat Blake's connections. Um, and you kind <laughs> of get this moment of, like, oh, fuck, not only am I going to be losing my connections, nobody is going to come to help me. And he kind of has to try and make a break for it which he does and he doesn't make it oh man this moment um like holy shit uh wait as you said the first thing that happens is blake is sort of like oh i can just wait here for others to come and help me and then er just eats all of his connections basically and you're just like oh shit and because like that that could have been enough you know like if blake had still made it out but had no connections to everyone that still would have been a like a massive like yeah. oh holy shit moment so i sort of read that and it's like as i'm still processing the implications of this already huge moment it's like only like another four lines before blake gets killed by it and you're just like it just like doubles it up like it's a, it's a great one two punch uh you, you just sort of i was still processing what had happened after the first one and then it just hits you again you're like oh my god like this yeah. is what yeah. It really catches you off guard, right? Um, Yeah, this is a great moment. And, you know, when we started doing this podcast, there were a few specific moments that I've been really excited to get up to because they are such, like, packed, defining moments. Um, Sure. One is meeting Evan, which obviously kind of changes the dynamic of the group in a pretty big way after that point. And this is another one that I was really looking forward to. Uh, Blake's death, because it is, you know... A foreshadowed even is isn't the right word because it's it's like explicitly told to us. Um, but then yeah. actually, oh shit, Blake's actually dead. He's gone. <laughs> no, it, what you said about foreshadowing is exactly what I was thinking. Like it, it, it's not foreshadowing because Wobbo has basically explicitly been telling us for at least two arcs, Blake is gonna die. Yeah, soon. Uh, Blake is going to <laughs> die soon. Oh. <laughs> uh, and yet, like, it still caught me completely off guard. Uh, I, I don't know why. I thought it was going to happen later. And then, you know, sort of thinking on it, it's been really hammered into us, particularly those last two arcs. So it was sort of like, well, yeah. you know, like, Wobbo wasn't going to keep doing that for the next eight arcs. So I don't know I don't know why I thought it was going to take something like that long. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, and I do like this as well because I, I haven't questioned it at all. Like, I'm assuming Blake is dead. And I think in... In other stories, I probably would have been like, oh, he's not really dead, though, is he? Um, like, there's not going to be any consequences to this. Whereas this has been so set up that I was just immediately like, oh, shit, but the main character is dead. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's 
uh, been a fun podcast, but I guess this is the end. Yeah, um, so managed thanks. to get live reads yeah. in for those last two chapters. <laughs> thanks everyone for for listening, and uh, maybe we'll do Twig next. <laughs> um, yeah, no, well, we'll see what happens next, I suppose. Uh, but there is one last little bit in this chapter um, where we basically see everybody be confused as to what they're doing um, and just kind of head home. Uh, they, they kind of stop. They think, wait, what, what's going on? I guess we should just abandon the mission. And they leave. Um, and that's Yeah, that's I love that. this. I love this little extra bit to the chapter as a way to just really get your mind racing with the implications of yeah. what has just happened. Yeah. Uh, and, and giving us a bit of a tease as to the result of some of those. Um, it's... Yeah, it's it's really good. Guy, I I'm so excited, worried about <laughs> what's gonna happen next. Yeah, um, the two final lines of the chapter are that they that the cabal is watching a sparrow travel a confused path through the sky, and then Rose settled a hand on Alexis's shoulder. We can't do anything more here. Um, this is very densely heartbreaking writing. Uh, so Evan's <laughs> obviously confused, has no idea what's going on, and it's just kind of flying through the sky purposelessly. I mean, that was that um, was the line that crushed me the most. Yeah. The the confused sparrow line. I was like, oh god, no, not Evan. Yeah. Um, Rose touches Alexis's shoulder, which is like, oh fuck, she's yes. <laughs> clearly that's resolved some somehow. Uh, Rose is now in the real world. Um, and yeah, and Alexis is you know, confused and, and kind of wants to argue that they shouldn't give up, but can't, and so doesn't. Um, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Elliot, what's, uh, what do you think is going to happen next? <laughs> I, uh, I think you can tell from the script that's in front of you, Ruben, that that was a big question, and I've written a lot mm-hmm. here. So so next up, we have an interlude, right? Like Next chapter's 7.x, yep. I think. Uh, I, I'm hoping it's going to be Rose, or I kind of assume Rose would be my mm. pick, um, maybe, maybe Alexis or Tiffany or one of the other cabal members. Um, but I, like, I, I feel like we're about to get an interlude. That's just going to be the aftermath, like expanding on the ending to this chapter, which is obviously Rose has, you know, we already knew Rose was going to kind of settle into Blake's connections. I think Isadora told us that a while yep. ago. Uh, and so presumably that, like, that's obviously what's just happened. And maybe we'll get some more details on the aftermath of that. Cause you got to think like, it must be confusing for, say, Tiffany, right? <laughs> Tiffany's only involved in all this because she was keen on Blake. Yep. And now she doesn't remember Blake. So there's, surely there's just going to be a moment where Tiffany's sitting there going, how the fuck did I end up yeah, here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, way over uh, my I head. I mean, even the fact that Rose is, is hanging out with Alexis and Tyler and Tiffany is, I think, a point of yes. confusion. Like, Yeah, the whole cabal is going to be like, how do we yeah. know each other? I, I mean, I know we've known each other for a few, for what, a few weeks now, but... How did we meet? Why did we yeah. sign up for this? <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> um, no, yeah, you're right. I, who knows? I mean, who knows what's going yeah. on, right? But, but but I do think it's just going to be a a rose or something interlude. Because I, I think if you'd asked me, or if you told me in arc two that Blake died at this point in the story, I probably would have guessed that Rose would be the POV character for the second mm-hmm. half. But it, I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but that just doesn't feel right anymore. Like, I still feel like we're going to be with Blake in the afterlife or something, I guess. And and I guess, I, like, I'm assuming someone will bring him back. I think my official prediction I made, like, an arc ago was that Rose will bring him back when he dies. Yeah. Uh, now I'm thinking it's probably more likely the lawyers, yeah. uh, which would be a fun <laughs> uh a fun development uh watching blake have to actually owe them something real yeah. um or I- isadora or page or I- the isadora page combo maybe mm. um 
Because Isadora seems so aware of this stuff. I'm wondering if she's somehow a little bit immune to the memory loss or I, I don't know. Like she just seemed so, the way she just showed up in this scene was so knowledgeable as me thinking maybe she's a bit more clued into this stuff. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm keen. I, I hope there is like afterlife Blake arcs because I'd be keen to see what Wildbo could do with the concept of like the afterlife or whatever. I think that could be really mm. fun. Mm. Um, it's probably worth pointing out that since our next arc is a, sorry, our next chapter is an interlude, a histories, um, it, it probably won't be, if convention is to be believed, it won't be our, our point of view for our next, for the rest of the story. So we'll probably see what's actually yeah. happening when we get to 8.1. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just as we said, there, there's so many questions, like also like the conquest contest is over now presumably if blake's dead so i mean maybe his conquest right? Who just, knows? Like, like his conquest just gonna pop out of the mirror and everyone's gonna be a bit confused like what, what what's everyone's recollection of what the last what's happened in the last like week mm. is gonna be like uh, it's it's very it's gonna be very confusing like is con what's conquest gonna think about how he ended up in the mirror <laughs> is he gonna be is he gonna be blaming rose i mean is, is rose gonna remember like, that there's a mirror with conquest in it in her like apartment i guess it's her apartment yeah, now because we know that rose was you know gonna be slipping into blake's place when he died right um yeah yeah and exactly. this seems like i mean i don't want to make you put your tinfoil hat on or anything but this is maybe the best possible way for that to happen for rose like not only is she taking over oh, yeah. blake's life but people will forget that blake ever existed no i did think that this is probably one of the cleanest ways it could happen in terms of yeah those connections just getting to slot in because there's nothing to there's nothing to overwrite anymore yeah. uh well i guess i guess maybe that's the thing if the connections got deleted before blake mm. you know does rose even fill in the gap like maybe the rest of the cabal is just going to be like you know who does yeah true um true. um but there's uh, also like I, I don't know if written records get deleted. i guess they do because the knights didn't know who they lost like i was thinking like you know blake has left like that note for uh the rest of the descendants and stuff around like so what happens do people find it and just not process it or something mm. i don't know um there is so many questions there is one piece of good news though that is wherever blake is he presumably has his phone back so that's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm just imagining like before like the grim reaper or something comes to collect him if he's just sort of like a, a spirit or a ghost in in the factory and he just sort of sees the ghost of his phone <laughs> on the ground next to him he's like oh, oh yeah, yeah that's where i left it <laughs> yeah um yeah it, this is a, a chapter that ends on such a cliffhanger that it's kind of like what even the fuck is gonna happen next like it's so un, yes uh imaginable well, i think um, i just talked for five minutes about all the questions i have about what might happen next and i probably barely scratched yeah. the surface like, the more I, the more i think about it the more i'm gonna be like well what the hell's maggie gonna think just happened like there's there's so much yeah yeah, yeah. um i guess we'll see <laughs> tm um <laughs> but yeah yeah I, I there's there's nothing i can really say here that isn't just uh waiting to see what happens next um but I guess that's the end of our discussion on Void 7.11, except I almost forgot uh, the answers to our discussion question. Um, yeah. So for those of you who don't remember, we, we did a discussion question two chapters ago, which was uh, if you were going to be the pet of, a, uh, of an other or a god or something, what would you pick and what would the drawbacks be? Um, and we got a bunch of a bunch yeah. of interesting uh, answers to this across our two previous uh, discussion threads. All yeah, kinds of cool stuff. yeah, we did. Um, like one of the first ones uh, I came across was by Groby four six five seven eight. Um, 
who brought up Chiron, who's a, a centaur from Greek mythology. Yep. Um, so Chiron is the one who trained like Hercules and um, Jason, like the the Jason with the Argonauts, uh, and Achilles. And uh, I should have looked this up. I think Achilles is like Chiron's grandson or something mm. as well. It's been a while. Um, anyway, the basically Chiron is just you know presumably a pretty kick-ass teacher if if these if this is his like you know alumni list. Uh, so uh, Groby four six five seven eight thinks that uh, he'd be a good teacher, but probably pretty picky about his students so it's like if you can get him to take you on it's probably worth it but it's probably easier said than yeah. done yeah that's true and i guess it comes back to the idea of isadora being a pretty good choice all things considered yeah well so one of the interesting things i think i forgot to mention this in the 7.9 but obviously we know isadora kills her students who are doing badly yeah. and one of the things isadora said to Paige in 7.9 was um you know if we're lucky someone else will take responsibility for introducing you to the mm. world and I wonder, like, it, well, it got me thinking, maybe a huge part of the reason Isadora kills students who sort of stuff up even a little is because she doesn't, like, want the responsibility. Yeah, like, that's, um, it, it's sort of partially her, her you know, balancing karma thing, but also just uh, if, if a student doesn't seem like they're going to be a real good uh, person to have responsibility for, just sort of cutting them out. So I wonder if, like, if Paige had been sort of made aware of the world by someone else, I wonder if that means Isadora is less harsh uh, on mm. her. Anyway, sorry, that's a little aside. No, it's an interesting point. I imagine that there's potentially a way... I mean, presumably there's a reason that Isadora, you know, trains up fresh meat, to put it bluntly, as opposed to (laughs) getting somebody who's already been awakened but is a kind of relatively junior practitioner and taking them under her wing. You know, like a young young Behaim or a young Duchamp, right? Yeah, Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, there must be some reason. Uh, Anyway... Um, the other thing I liked about Groby's answer, to get back to the question for a bit, is uh, <laughs> Groby also talks about fae and goblins, which are, uh, I think Groby kind of puts it as there's high risk, high reward there. Um, but I think it's high risk, low reward, honestly. I feel like those two would be not the kinds of things you want to be a pet or familiar I, I think depending on the right fairy or goblin, it's potentially high reward. But, you know, we're talking... I think there's a lot more high risk than there is high reward. Yeah, like a, I, proportionally, it's. Uh, I, I think there's a reason we haven't heard about anyone doing this impact. It seems it seems very yeah, risky. I I can't think of a single goblin that we've heard of in the story that would be a good that would even be like the better choice of the goblins, right? Yeah, unless you're just picking based on name, you know, in which case it's Dick Swizzle, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I. Can't think of a goblin that isn't horrific, and I kind of think maybe maybe they're horrific by definition. Yes, I suspect. So, yeah, um, yeah. I I wanted to talk about an answer uh, by a user called Stuck in Reddit Factory, which I really liked. Um, they basically talk about how it's basically always a bad idea. Um, they they point out that any any other that wants a pet. There's probably a bad reason behind that. Um, and so you probably don't want to... Any other that would take you as a pet, you're probably in a bad position uh, already off the bat. Well, I, I think one of the things Stuck in Reddit Factory mentions is at, at the very least, you're going to have to give up some of your autonomy yeah. and presumably some of your like morals yeah, for sure. in, in this for role. Sure. Like, there, there's almost no chance that you're just going to get... This is never going to be like a dream yeah, job. It's never going to be a friendly, cool other. <laughs> um, yeah. But Stuck in Reddit Factory does pick one. And they pick 
an interesting one, in my opinion. Blue dragons from D&D, right? Which are uh, kind of the, the, the lawful evil dragons, which means they kind of follow rules that they have set up for themselves. But on the whole, they'll do heinous shit for their own benefit, right? Um, so okay. yes, they'll have you do some evil stuff, but... Uh, stuck in Reddit Factory points out that they're most likely to have you as a pet as a as like a status symbol, which is a pretty good position to be in because they're gonna treat you nicely at least when you're around other people, and they're gonna not treat you too badly because it will mean that it's not a very good status symbol if you've got like a an ugly or a, a kind of dirty pet. Well, right? if you if um, you look strong, it makes them look exactly. stronger. I think was was sort of the point. Yeah, it's uh. You, you set yourself up in a way that you're more useful to them uh, in a better yeah, state. which is a very clever uh, setup by Stuck in Reddit Factory. Yeah. A good yeah. answer. Um, I also wanted to bring up uh, Brawl97 commented, uh, and I really like the way Brawl97 looked at this, like, choosing a job, <laughs> which I just thought was a really interesting approach. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think Brawl97 said it's, it's just like picking a job, but obviously one with super high stakes and it's permanent. Uh, but... They, they talked a lot about, you know, you want to look into how it'll affect your life and, like, will you still have free time mm. and, like, will it, what impact will it have on your life outside of the practice? Because, you know, we do know that quite a few practitioners still have, um, I don't know, like, day lives, yeah. you know, civilian identities. Yeah. But um, not many practitioners so I think, are, you know, the familiars themselves, no, I suppose. That, yeah, exactly. That's true. But uh, I think, so Brawl97 uh, eventually went with... Uh, Nemosyne, uh, who's one of the Greek titans, and uh, she's associated with like memories. And um, I think one of Brawl 97's hopes was because she's not like a super high tier uh, su- member of the Greek pantheon, that like hopefully she's not a complete mm. dick. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just really like that approach of yeah. <laughs> coming at it from that yeah, angle. Yeah, I mean, I guess picking someone who's lower power means there's probably a lot less pressure on it, but uh, you know. Lower Hopefully. power means there's less uh, benefit yes, to it as so well. I guess this is sort of the uh, dilemma Blake has been facing with all of his uh, choices yeah. for the big three. Yeah, true. Um, the next answer that I want to pull out that I really liked is by a user called Code Zeta. Uh, they wrote this huge post <laughs> that, that was talking yeah. a lot about um, like uh, Afro-Brazilian religions um two two religions specifically and i, I we didn't get the name so i i haven't got I, them here but i i wasn't confident in being able to pronounce fair, them honestly fair. um yeah take a look <laughs> in the 7.10 thread though because it's very interesting um but but kind of the 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 cool part about it to me was that that uh in communities that are practicing in this religion they have a kind of a spiritual elder who kind of acts as a you know a, a a familial or a pet kind of relationship between these these kind of powerful spirits already um and so there's a lot of this kind of familial relationship that already kind of exists and based off of that code zeta is able to talk about some of these uh some of these potential others and which ones would be useful for which specific purposes which i found very interesting it's a great yeah a great uh so in the show notes for this episode we we should have a link to uh Kayakan's, uh list of all the previous yep. threads so you can find the 7.10 thread in there and I- i'd recommend just going and reading this because we're, we're drastically summarizing some of the information <laughs> yes. code zeta wrote about these uh religions and i'd never heard of either of these i found this fascinating to to learn yeah. about yeah it was a, it was yeah there's a that's how it always goes with this stuff right like when, whenever we ask a discussion question people pull out these complete you know these completely 
mind-blowing and very like deep uh areas of history or culture that we just have no idea about it's always fun yeah to like, like even just the origins of these two um afro-brazilian religions like how they're sort of hybrids of uh some traditional african religions with like bits of catholicism yeah. and, and other bits and pieces mixed in it, it's super interesting yeah. yeah um but yeah i think that's i think that's yeah, everything cool um well that's the end of our discussion of void 7.11 void makes sense now <laughs> oh my god yeah just hit me <laughs> uh we'll do more I hadn't considered that until now <laughs> we'll do the uh overall chapter discussion after the next uh chapter i suppose and we'll be able to go back through and, and examine it a bit more um anyway if you've enjoyed the show uh check out our discussion threads where you can talk more about this chapter or uh, the show in general or just any of the cool packed stuff that you want to talk about uh, that will be linked in the episode description thingy down below in your yes, podcast uh, you can also find us on Twitter, uh, which is at MediaMDPodcast. Uh, as we've already mentioned, there's live reads going on there now, but we're also, you know, checking that Twitter. So it's a, it's a, another way to get in touch with yep. us. Um, if you want to find out more about the show or any of the other great shows on the Doof Media Network, then head to the website, which is doofmedia.com. Yes. Uh, and Doof Media is supported by our patrons. So if you head over to patreon.com slash doofmedia, uh, there's a great... Yeah, there's a bunch of great perks uh, for you uh, if you become a patron. <laughs> and you only. Uh, and it also helps us. <laughs> yes, it's very helpful. Um, beyond just the fact that you're supporting us to make more of this podcast, uh, you will also get access to the Doof Discord, which is a great place to go and chat about Wildbo Works or just share Mario Maker levels, which is what I've been using it for mostly these days. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, there's, there's a good little group of uh, Mario Makers uh, in there and we're all sharing yeah. levels. It's really yeah. good. Um, Wildbo also has a patron. Uh, Patreon, while we're on it. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Wildbo. Yes, uh, so uh, definitely go and support Wildbo too, because of course he has made this incredible story that we're just uh, riding on the coattails of, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that's all for us this episode. Our next episode, uh, 7.x, will be coming out on Friday the 5th of July. So we will see you then. See ya. See ya.